Welcome back to the Jesus Magnet Podcast. I'm your host, Joel, and today we're joined with Colin. How are you doing, Colin? Hey, great. Nice to see you guys, and thanks for having me here today. Oh, it's such an honor. I mean, right now, for anybody following our trip, we've made it to Taupo in the North Island, and we're at the World Outreach Retreat conference sort of um, event and it is amazing. One thing that I've noticed being here, I mean Laura and I have worked a lot with Youth with the Mission and normally get the, the younger um, series of people, uh, missionaries going out. What, what you're saying is I'm old. <laughs> and then this time around you've got the real veterans that have been in the mission field for like 40 years and you get to see you know like that they're still super on fire had almost more on fire for the gospel um, than some of us young, young, early green missionaries today. So it's really, really cool to, to be here, and it's a real honor to meet you, Colin. Hey, nice to meet you guys too. And just, I just want to honor you guys, what the, the, the ministry that you're doing, because that whole thing of a testimony, there's such power in the truth that we can speak out. And, you know, yeah, we, come we on. know it's by the, by the word of our testimony, the blood of the Lamb, that we mm. overcome. That's and so it. let me encourage you guys. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Colin. Yeah, we 100% believe that. Mm-hmm. So um, you have been working with with World Outreach yep. for ages now, right? Uh, 22 years. Uh, 22 we years. We've been with uh, uh, World Outreach, um, and we spent uh, 17 years in Mozambique um, wow. leading a ministry there, yeah. That's incredible. So what initially drew you to Mozambique? Uh, yeah, that's. I mean, uh, if you looked at uh, the journey that I've been on, <clears throat> I, I actually go back a hundred and twenty years to my great grandfather, um, and wow. he was actually a missionary in uh, in Central Africa, in in what we call Zambia, uh, Northern Rhodesia, in that area. And I remember my great grandfather. Uh, he he died when I was about three, but but I believe he prayed. Uh, for me, and um, I remember growing up as a as a kid, um, I always had this real desire to. Uh, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Uh, my great grandfather was a Christian, but my grandfather and my my mum and dad they weren't Christians, so uh, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. But I always wanted to go to Africa. And I, I wanted to fight. Uh, I'd been in the army, and there, I was really actually training to be a mercenary to want to go and and actually fight. Um, in wow. nineteen eighty two, just through you know a long story in itself. Um, so did you when, did you go into the army? Yeah, I was in New Zealand in the reserves here, and but but I, that's what I was training for. I actually came very close to actually going in and joining the French Foreign Legion with myself and another guy. Um, and that was actually a couple of weeks before I actually finally gave my life to Christ. And um, I was living in Australia at that stage. Um, had been living with a, a backslidden Christian. Um, she she got right with the Lord, um, and I saw a difference in her life, which started me on a journey. Uh, but there was a couple of really other, uh, you know, key people that kind of uh, had major impact in that time. Um, and then in June 1982, basically one night I, I said, God, if you're real, prove it. And um, God punched me between the eyes and <laughs> changed my life. Um, that's all you can say. You know, the, the power of the gospel, 
that actually changes a person's life. But for me, I, I think one of the big things was of giving me purpose in life. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, I came from a middle-class family. That's uh, huge, isn't it? Yeah, purpose, yeah. Because, I mean, you go through life. And especially for a male. Oh, absolutely. Of, of actually, what are we actually supposed to be doing in life? Mm. Um, what's our purpose? Um, and so for me, as soon as I became a Christian, you know, I knew – that I had to continue to share this message of love of, of what God had done in my life, mm. but I also knew that it was it was to to be involved in missions and foreign missions and and specifically in Africa. Mm. Yeah, so that was the start of my journey, I suppose. So you say specifically in Africa. Why specifically in Africa? Was there a moment? Did God say, go to Africa? Why, why does the sun rise in the east? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, and that, that's where I I, I, um, I I would actually say, you know, the, the, the answered prayers of my great-grandfather a hundred years earlier. Wow. That um, I believe my great-grandfather prayed for me because... I always had this feeling of wanting to go to Africa, like I say, you know. Um, and I, I look back. So it was like it, a draw. There was almost. a draw. There was yeah. a draw there, yeah. And I believe, you know, that's the whole thing of we should be praying for our children, for mm. our grandchildren, for our great-grandchildren, mm. you know, because as I say, you know, my great-grandfather, I believe he was the spiritual link that, uh, you know, invested in my life mm. that caused me to, 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 to walk in destiny. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. I've never ha- heard that take on yeah. their great grandfather. Yeah. And the power, we must, I mean, mm. I have eight grandchildren now, but, you know, we, we pray for them that the destiny that God has for them mm. will, will, will um, be fulfilled. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that we can speak that into being. Yeah. I mean, it's I love that what you're talking about with the great grandchildren and things like that because we just had the speaker um, that we were listening to at World Outreach, and um, she, well, her husband is uh, Smith Wigglesworth's great grandchild or no, something like it's, that. It's Smith Wigglesworth's great great grandchild. Oh, yeah. Okay. So she's not uh, just an average grandchild. Yeah. Yeah. She's yeah, a great yeah, one. yeah. 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 <laughs> but but even uh, I was listening to her son, who's actually only twenty two, I think, uh, a few weeks ago. You know, and thinking of the heritage, that legacy from that, that one legacy, man. Uh, yeah, of that one man that has come down. Mm. And in actual fact, uh, I'm even part of that story of not so much Smith Wigglesworth, but Smiggle, Smith Wigglesworth's great granddaughter yeah uh, her husband was very instrumental in 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 the ministry that we were involved in in Mozambique um, oh. Abe and Lil Finn and, and so, like initially in person or yeah, in person yeah 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 really yeah, yeah. it was Abe that actually got us involved uh, in Mozambique um, it's very yeah, cool yeah 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 oh so you know him. oh personally yeah great guy that's great, really cool. great family and 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 that whole thing of legacy you know, yeah. the thing is praying for our grandchildren, but also we, we should be praying for a legacy yeah. um, in our grandchildren as well. Yeah, because yeah. Smith Wigglesworth, he just sort of popped out of nowhere Yeah, uh, in his line of generation. There were no Christians or people. I mean, there could have been Christians and stuff, but he just popped out of nowhere with this incredible 
mission really and and the supernatural faith that he yeah, carried yeah. yeah and that is now extremely famous yeah you yeah know? Well, well of course he was a you know he was a plumber who got impacted by the power of the holy spirit do you realize so we're in 2022 mm. uh it's 100 it, years it's 100 eh? years ago that smith wigglesworth was uh, came yeah and um so yeah it's, it's an exciting time to be alive I love that. Mm. So um, tell us a little bit more about uh, the, the mission field uh, in Mozambique. Um, well, um, in Mozambique, the, the history of Mozambique is it was a former Portuguese colony. In 1974, uh, Portugal had a coup, and uh, the generals basically took over from the dictatorship that had been uh, ruling uh, Portugal prior to that, and so that's uh, we see a number of um, former Portuguese colonies actually released at that time. So you know, we had Angola, Mozambique, Guinea-Bissau, um, East Timor, actually, you know, which is close to New Zealand, and of course, East Timor was part of that as well, um, uh, and that's where the Indonesians came in in 1974. And so, uh, of course, there was uprising there in the early 90s as well, and and it all it, it actually all goes back to the the uh, former Portuguese colony there, um, and and what happened there. So Mozambique uh, had been a, a Portuguese colony. Um, when we went there, uh, it had just come out of a civil war. So you've got to remember the, the 70s, basically, we were hi- height of the Cold War, um, Russia against America, communism against capitalism, um, and you had a number of different countries that, of course, were, were the p- proxy um, battlegrounds, you might say, um, and Mozambique was one of them. So um, Mozambique had a civil war for about 18 years. Um, it completely destroyed the infrastructure. Um, Mozambique, prior to to the civil war, was actually the world's biggest cashew producer. Um, but, of course, you know, that was all destroyed. And, um, yeah, so... When we arrived there, it was actually six years after the war had finished. But a lot of a lot of the local guys that that uh, we related with say, you know, the war was only yesterday, sort of thing. It was very fresh still in their minds. I remember first time when we were driving up. Uh, well, actually, the first time I I flew into Mozambique, I remember. You know, you had shot out uh, planes on on the sides of runways, and um, I remember uh, you know tanks. The first time when we drove up, there was uh, coming through Tet. There was uh, this uh, tank that had been uh, blown up, and it was still sitting on the side You're of joking. the joking. Yeah, yeah. And so, and where we went, we were in the northern part of Mozambique, uh, a little place called Manapo, and <clears throat> we we inherited. Um, yeah, we were we were gifted uh, a farm, um, and so you know we pulled off. I don't know how many rounds of bullets, live bullets that I we we used to pull off. I mean, I remember once uh, my kids came in with a live RPG rocket, um, which was kind of pretty exciting in a way. Except, I, I, hang about, guys, I think we better you know sort of handle this a little bit carefully. You know, um, mines. We had the Halo uh, Institution came through on the farm and uh, demine areas. Now they didn't actually find any mines there, but there had been a number of mines that whole area. So it was a very, uh, it's, a, it's a rural area that we worked in, and we were going to work with uh, the Makua people, which was 
uh, in the early 90s classified as one of Africa's largest unreached people groups. Um, and so coming back to when I got saved, I knew I was called to missions um, and I think that's one of the hallmarks of World Outreach, the organisation that I work with, is um, of actually identifying unreached people groups. Mm. Um, we, we talk about uh, the Great Commission, and the Great Commission, you know, the thing is we see Jerusalem, and, and most churches, we understand that we have a mission uh, locally to, to, to reach out to those around us, but it's Jerusalem, Judea, and to the uttermost ends of the earth. And uh, our, 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 in lots of ways, um, I would say the church in New Zealand, we've dropped the ball uh, in, in the last little uh, while in that whole area of to the ends of the earth. Mm. Uh, New Zealand does actually have a, an amazing history of missions and what we've actually, you know, as a small country, what we've actually done in the fields of missions. But um, and, and part of even what's on my heart at the moment is that whole thing of challenging this generation, this young generation, to understand that we're not just called to, to social justice because social justice is important, but it's the justice of the king that we really need to to be uh, um, uh, proclaiming. And that means that all peoples throughout the whole earth have an understanding of the redemptive power of Jesus mm. Christ. And so for me, um, you know, the thing is, like I say, uh, as soon as I became a Christian, um, I knew that God had called me to missions I didn't know how or where, and you know we had been. My wife and I had been on a journey, and and uh, um, it, but we ended up in Mozambique. Um, but we really wanted to go to those who hadn't heard the gospel, mm. and the Makua were one such grouping um, that hadn't heard the gospel. So, World Outreach, the organisation you work for, their heartbeat on missions is unreached people, and that's when we talk unreached. These are ones that have never had a missionary come through and share who Jesus is. They, if you said the name of Jesus, they wouldn't know who it, he is. It's, that sort of thing. It's the, it's the, an unreached people group really is identified as a grouping of of specific, either linguistically or geographically uh, identified people, which do not cannot self perpetuate. The, uh, the the spread of the gospel right. within themselves, maybe uh, because of different languages or, like I say, different geographies. Um, and, you know, we, we could identify uh, many thousands, actually, of unreached people groups who, mm. who've never heard the gospel presented in their, in their uh, mother tongue or in a culturally relevant way mm. uh, for them, yeah. So that's what an unreached people group is. Wow. Yeah. So in Mozambique, you said that um, uh, was it Portuguese? Is that the the language that's in Mozambique? Um, What's the language there? Yeah. Well, Portuguese is the is the trade language uh, because uh, being a former Portuguese colony. Uh, that was the the business language. Uh, Jenny and I and and our children we we spent a year in 
Portugal to begin with, learning language. But uh, the the people group that we were actually uh, working with was the Makua. So uh, it was Makua language that we were also uh, dealing in. Now, I don't speak Makua fluently. I can understand and I can say some uh, phrases, but I was actually... Uh, operating in Portuguese, um, and uh, whenever we did teaching, we always used uh, interpreters as well. Um, wow. Yeah, so, and there was a number of other different language groups around us as well. Um, mm. Yeah, but Makua. That's awesome. Mm. Um, so let's go to the mission field itself um, in Mozambique with the Makua people. What is one of the most radical things that has happened in the mission field that you could come to mind and that you'd like to share with us that could inspire us or edify us or just go wow god you really are there <laughs> you know everywhere um as you ask that question i think um you know we read the book of acts and we see people being raised from the dead we see blind uh, and and we've seen that um that's cool. I, can't, I can't say that i've seen uh, the, uh, the the dead raised but having said that i i was uh um very quickly on a, a scene of an accident, a girl had been hit by a car. I was there within 30 seconds. Uh, she was completely uh, out cold. Um, and in actual fact, it was actually in a, in a town. There was actually a policeman. And as I came up, uh, I heard this policeman say, she's dead, cover her up. And uh, I got there and I automatically just laid hands on her and started praying in the name of Jesus, rise her up. And within 20 seconds, she actually wow. came to. Now, was she knocked out or was she dead? I, I, I don't know. Um, um, you know, the thing is, I'm not saying that I raised her from the dead. I know that she was, unco- you know, she was non-responsive. The policeman had said, she's dead, cover her up. Um, and then she was alive. And so, oh, my uh, gosh. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but just the miracles of people are transformed. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just, I think, leading on to a to a personal testimony of how God healed me uh, on a on a number of occasions with malaria. But really, I think the testimony, what it really speaks of, is the spoken word of God that. Mm that we are spiritual beings and God wants to speak into situations and often we need to take that word and that word won't be for just today but it may be for a year's time or or two years time and really what I'm really kind of speaking about here is before we left New Zealand um, a pastor had actually prayed for us, and and to be honest, I don't actually remember him praying for me, but Jenny did, and uh, basically uh, he prayed uh, from the Psalms, and he said, uh, "But you will not die; you will live." Um, and it was a, it was a word that Jenny took, and actually held on to, and she she knew that in some uh, in the future that she would really have to hold on to that. And so um, we'd actually been in Mozambique for about eight or nine months. Malaria is one of the um, biggest issues that uh, we face there. Um, road accidents, um, you know, or, um, yeah, road accidents or the, the, the lack of medical care in, in a situation like that can be 
pretty um, drastic as well. But malaria would be one of the major issues that we faced, I think. And so uh, we'd been there about eight months. Um, I, I remember it well. It was a Friday night afternoon, and um, I basically we, we'd actually had some people um, just for lunch. Uh, they'd gone out, and I just kind of felt, hey, I'm getting a bit of a head cold here, or something like that, you know. And but uh, I went and lay down and. I knew, hey, this is malaria, you know, and um, uh, Jenny, um, we had malaria um, medicine, and so Jenny gave me the the medicine, and basically, you know, the, the standard case was get malaria, basically three days later, you go through the course, and, and you'll come through right. So uh, I'm in bed for three days, and um, I don't wish, I wouldn't wish malaria on any of my worst enemies. Well, not that I have any enemies, but uh, uh, yeah, malaria is just one of those things you do not want. And so after three days, uh, Jenny was kind of thinking, okay, well, you know, if day four, Colin will get fine, you know. And day four, I was still not getting better, and day five came. Um, and malaria always seems to, um, it seems to get worse at night. Um, so I went into the day five, um, and I was going through the night, and as uh, basically, you know, I'd be lying in bed, absolutely shivering like anything, with eight blankets on, and you know, my kids lying on top of me to try and get warm, but you'd be just, you'd just be freezing right to the chill of your bones, and then ten minutes later, you'd be throwing everything off, and you'd be sweating like anything. And so that's really what malaria is like. So I, I went into the fifth night, and, and Jenny basically came to bed and basically you know, went to bed, taking this word, you will live, he will not die. And so she slept completely peacefully, whereas I went into that night, and I actually got to the point where I was kind of like outside my body and I could look back and I could actually, I know what it means to choose to live or to die. And it's to, to give up the ghost, um, as we would say. But it, it, it was actually a, a physical choice to say, no, I will live. I, I want to live. I want to live for my children and, and for my wife. Um and so I actually chose to fight through that battle. Wow. Whereas for Jenny, she had had this word. Mm. She knew that her husband was, you know, going down, 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 and, and there was no medical help. Uh, you know, the closest city was about three hours away, um, and so we didn't have any, any medical help or anything like that. She slept peacefully. And, you know, the, the, the amazing thing is um, the next morning, um, I I kind of shared with Jenny the thing is this is this is getting scary, um, you know I'm actually going downhill. What do we do at this point? And uh, about ten o'clock that afternoon that, that morning, um, we heard a plane flying overhead, and Jenny, uh, you know the kids came actually came in and said there's actually a plane flying around us. Now, we lived on a farm, and we did actually have an airstrip, and uh, the very first time I'd actually gone to, to Maisie Atella, which was the name of the farm, um, we'd actually flown in by plane. I landed on the airstrip and all the rest. But we'd never, no other planes had actually come into that uh, airstrip since then. And um, So this plane starts flying over, and then 
Jenny went out to actually to the airstrip and kind of held up a windsock. She had no idea what was happening, and the plane kept on coming down and landing. And finally, the plane actually bumped onto the ground and, and landed, and uh, it was an MAF uh, flight, and uh, completely unscheduled. Um, they, they were just doing a survey within our area, and uh, the pilot, pilot got out, and uh, basically Jenny said, look, you know, my husband, he's really sick. And the pilot actually said, uh, look, you know, the thing is we can fly um, Colin out if, if you want to. And, um, but he said, look, I was in Zimbabwe just last week um, and there's a new uh, anti-malarial um, uh, drug out, coatine, uh, uh, and uh, he said, Let, let's try it and see what happens. So they came in and they, they gave it to me. And within two hours, I wasn't healed and I wasn't restored, but I, I knew I'd turned that corner. And, I, and, um, and so that, that whole incident of going through uh, that, inci- uh, that, that, that uh, time, for Jenny, you know, I, I kind of laugh with her and I say, you know, the thing is, here's your husband, he's, you know, he's about to die. And uh, all you could do is, well... I'm just going to go and have a good night's sleep because she knew what the word of the Lord was. And, and God is faithful uh, to, to, to plant words in us and we need to remember them and we need to live by them and we need to claim them when we go through times like that. So God is faithful um, mm. and we are spiritual beings and because we're spiritual beings, we need to be in tune with the spiritual realm as well. Yeah, mm, Absolutely. Um I might just jump in with the the spiritual realm because before the podcast started, um, you had mentioned a little bit about um, curses and witch doctors and all of that, which is totally foreign to us Westerners in, here in New Zealand or Australia or whoever's listening, and you hear about these witch doctors and I mean, you just start thinking Lord of the Rings almost and going, nah, none of that's real. That stuff's all around in Mozambique and different places like that, isn't it? Well, you see the the physical witch doctors. Let me tell you, the spiritual dynamics are exactly the same here in Australia and New Zealand and all the rest. Uh, The whole spiritual realm, uh, unfortunately... I think because of our uh, educated minds as such, uh, we've actually poo-pooed it and took it away. Um, so would you say here in the Western world it's more camouflaged, uh, but I, it's still here? I, I think that the d- demonic uh, uh, power is is the same here. We often most probably don't talk about it or identify it. In Mozambique or, or in Africa, you will see witch doctors dressed as witch doctors. You know what their business is. You know what they're doing. You know where their house is. Um, I think the very first um, spir- major spiritual encounter that I ever had was actually here in New Zealand. And uh, I'd actually been to a youth um, camp um, so I was, I was, you know, very charged up, you might say. I, I actually went, uh, was driving back up to where I lived. Uh, I stayed one night um, actually in a, in a family member's home, uh, that, that, but they weren't there. Now, they, they, uh, were, living, they were living in a sinful life. Um, they weren't there at that point. And I remember it was a Saturday night, and I, I was just praying by my bed, uh, just... Uh, just uh, kneeling praying and I felt this incredibly 
demonic force come into the room and knowing uh, the person's home and the lifestyle that they were living, you know, I could completely understand there would have been demonic forces there. And I I stood up and I turned around and I could physically see this presence at the doorway and let me tell you, uh, the, the, you know, the, the hairs on the back of your head, they're, they're, they're completely standing on end. But it was a demonic manifestation. Now, uh, the thing is, I just come from this youth camp, so I'm kind of pretty charged up, and Jesus is the answer sort of thing. And I think, well, I've got to put this into practice, you know. So I actually pointed at it, I said, in the name of Jesus, be gone. And then I turned around, gave it my back, got down on my knees and prayed. And I was scared, <laughs> but God is God is real, and and wow. you know the thing is, we actually operate within a spiritual realm. Totally, yeah. We 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 think we're only you know flesh and blood, but our fight is not against flesh and blood. Mm. It's against spiritual forces and and demonic forces. And so, um, just coming, alluding back to, to to your question there, you know, the whole thing of in Africa, yeah, we saw many, many witch doctors, and um, I think uh, one of the interesting, very early in our piece in in Mozambique, um, we uh, one of my workers he lost um, some papers, which is very actually. You know, to lose your papers is, is, you know, pretty serious, you know, to get them back and all the rest. And um, I said, well, I'll pray for you. Now, this guy, he actually happened to be a Muslim. And uh, so I, I prayed and praised the Lord that the, uh, the, the, the papers uh, miraculously actually got turned up. And uh, so he actually said, look, the thing is, if you want anything to pray for, you know, ask Colin and uh, get him to pray for you. And there was a number of testimonies like that. But what it also did is it actually kind of um, it, it brought a uh, painted a, a picture for the demonic as well. Um, and uh, so we had a number of witch doctors who actually uh, – uh, some of my some of the people that we'd worked with or were employed, um, uh, actually, they would go and employ the witch doctors to put curses on us if uh, things hadn't gone the way they had wanted to go and things like that. So on a number of occasions, I had had um, uh, workers come and say, "Oh, so and so, you know, he's put a, a, a witch doctor on you." I remember one night in particular, um, I woke up. Uh, maybe I can't remember two o'clock in the morning or something like that, and I just could not breathe, and it was like I was being strangled. And once, once again, my dear wife, you know, she actually kicked me out of the bed. Quick, run to the toilet! Don't, don't be sick here. She thought I was actually, you know, going to be sick or something like that. But in actual fact, I, 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 I'm choking. I couldn't breathe, you know. And as soon as, as soon as I woke up, I knew it was a demonic. Uh, activity the yeah. night before the day before I'd actually fired a worker he'd gone to a witch doctor he'd actually put a curse upon me and um, that, that's this was part of the manifestation of that and uh, uh, once Jenny realized that I wasn't going to be sick but that uh, I'm kind of her, her husband's you know strangling and, and and can't breathe you know we just cried out Jesus Jesus you know and uh, and uh, after a period I was able to breathe and and move on. The interesting thing, uh, when we when we left Mozambique or the, the last year there, um, I had a witch doctor come and actually say, 
your God must be strong. I have put so many curses on you, and yet you're still here. And so um, the name of Jesus is the power that we, we carry. And the thing is, if we understand the message that we have, that God has actually redeemed us, and he's actually given us the Holy Spirit to walk through life and to be the answer to the world that we live in. Mm. There are there is demonic forces out there, but the name of Jesus actually overcomes that. Mm. And that's you know, the thing is I'm no superhero or anything like that. It's what we have all been given, the power of the name of Jesus. Mm. And that actually is what overcomes the evil one. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, yeah amen. Oh, that's it's really interesting to hear um, you know, testimonies of, of demonic powers trying to take you out. Um, I'm a huge believer when um, Jesus uh, was sleeping on the boat yep. and um, all the winds and the waves came and tried to tip tip the boat over, more or less, and it cracks me up that he's just sleeping. But um, these were experienced fishermen. Yeah. And yeah. so they, they, couldn't, they knew if there was going to be wind or storms or anything coming, they, they knew that that would, that would be happening. So this came totally out of the blue and when you've got experienced fishermen frightened this is an intense storm Mm -hmm. so um and also came very very much out of nothing Mm. and um it's interesting when you when you look at that if you zoom out a little bit it really does look like demonic forces trying to take out jesus Mm -hmm. um before he's you know knowing that he's the son of god and things like that just trying to take him out early and um, the the cool part about that story is Jesus wakes up, or gets woken up, and when he speaks to the wind, well, when he speaks to the storm, he speaks to the wind. Yeah. He doesn't speak to the waves. Yeah, yeah. He speaks to the invisible force yeah. that's moving everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He speaks to the wind, and he says, "When you know, peace, be still." Yeah. And um, I I I love what you said earlier. You know, like we don't fight against flesh and blood, but we you know these. Invisible entities is where the battle is. Yet, can the, these invisible entities move things? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we can see the effects of them. But when we're speaking, we've got to know what we're speaking to. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I just re- really that that sort of story comes to mind when when you're talking about that. Yeah, and it's that whole thing. Even here in New Zealand, you know, the thing is, we may not see witch doctors dressed up as witch doctors, but the whole demonic uh, activity is going on Absolutely. Just, just even within our educational systems of of bringing you know wrong thinking wrong teaching what is truth what is you know the the whole just gender issues and all the rest and really when we look at it this is actually to bring confusion because one of the one of the main things that the demonic wants to bring is confusion lack of hope and our gen- this generation uh coming through now you know it's that whole thing of what is truth and Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Mm. You know, we're not talking about religion. We're not talking about going to church on Sunday. That's not the answer. That's that, Sure, no, I'm not saying that we shouldn't go to church. What I'm trying to say is that Jesus is the answer for our society because he is the truth. Mm. And, um, yeah, I mean, that whole thing of the demonic has, has great influence within New Zealand but we we often don't identify it as that. Um, so what's um what's some practical steps for anybody listening? 
um, to be able to identify demonic activity and then what to do about it or to make sure that they're not influenced by it to have, you know, discernment. What's, what, what, what's the fruit? Mm. You know, what, what's the fruit of something? You know, does it bring um, uh, life? Does it bring, um, um, uh, when I use the word prosperity, I don't mean material prosperity, but does it bring righteousness? Does mm. it bring peace? Um, and and not, the, not the peace that the world offers, but the peace of God. Because everything um, seems a little bit counterfeit, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, they, they have uh, maybe, it, if I dare to use um, the transgender um, argument, and you've got people that don't feel comfortable in their own body so mm-hmm. that they're transitioning into a, into a different body. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's supposedly chasing after a feeling, a peace, yeah, that yeah. they will feel peaceful when they go through that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's that's what we mean. Like, that's not what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. That's not the peace that, yeah, yeah. that we ha- we need to be striving after. It's a pe- It's the peace that's in Christ yep. that fulfills you um, without having to do like by the grace of God, He has done it. He's done the work. Yep, we yep. don't have to work towards anything to create the peace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think also demonic activity. So often it is the whole thing of control, mm. um, and uh, you know we we see when whenever there's a control or a manipulation. Um, anything that that restricts or inhibits freedom, real freedom, mm. which uh, actually sets us free, um, uh, is you know what is the force behind that, mm. um, and and often it is demonic uh, in nature. Absolutely, I'd always thought about the freedom argument. Um, well, we don't really call it an argument, but when people you know in the world they say you know what is true freedom. And it's the ability to choose, right? Yeah. So when people see Christians and they look like they almost can't choose bad things, it's actually kind of the opposite as we were once focused and only with our nature, sinful nature, only able to choose bad things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now we can choose life. Mm-hmm. And that's actually the difference. Mm-hmm. We yeah. can we can choose Christ yeah, where, yeah. where the world can't. So free freedom, when it says freedom in Christ. Yeah, yeah. That is the ability to choose our choice. Just that's it's it's so backwards, yeah, yeah. isn't it? Well, well, I think you know a good example is the whole you know sexual freedom, sexual um, liberty, or whatever. But in actual fact, if we look, what what is the whole purpose of of the sexual act? It's intimacy. It's actually closeness. It's reproduction. But the thing is, it's actually an intimacy. But intimacy is not found with three hundred people. No. Intimacy is found ultimately with a with a man and a woman, um, and the thing is, we we have this perverted idea that well, I'm free, I can do whatever I like, mm. but in actual fact, you're actually losing what God has actually designed for mm. you, and that's just one area. Um, and so, yeah, that whole thing of freedom actually. Well, Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." We will know freedom yeah. uh, when we come to Him, and so He wants to, us to have life and life in abundance, yeah. not by the world standards, but by mm. the biblical standards of of, of where they sit. Yeah. So true, yeah. Because freedom, you know, like people in the world might say, freedom is I can I can choose to to watch pornography, I can choose to do drugs, yeah, yeah, and. Uh, 
to be honest, I would say you can't really choose to not look at pornography. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and that's you're actually not free. You you are chained. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's that's where the true yeah, different yeah. difference yeah, and yeah. true freedom is yeah, in Christ. Yeah. When those chains are broken, those we 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 are loosened. Mm. And um, yeah, Christ really truly is the answer. Amen. Yeah. Um. So for anybody that is. I want to talk to you as a veteran of going out and and being a missionary for a long time. Mm-hmm. Somebody wants to be a missionary. They're listening to this episode right now, and they're going, "All right." The real deal is it's it's not necessarily safe because you got witch doctors, you got tanks that are blowing up, you got malaria, you know, you got these probably a lot of different entities trying to take you out constantly. Um, and they they want to go out. They want to do what God's asked them to do. Do you have any advice for anybody that's seeking that path as they're going down to choose it? Uh, I'd ask this question: Why? And if we can understand our why, why would you want to do that? Mm. Why? Because if you understand why you want to do something. Then, then the the whole thing of malaria or whatever, they're, they're actually quite irrelevant things. Mm-hmm. Why, why would you want to do missions? Because your life's been transformed, mm. and and that's you know at, at the very beginning I said you know one of the the, the real things that 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 I received out of um, coming to know Christ was hope. And a reason to live, a why to live. Why do I live? What's my purpose in life? You know, and so the why. Um, if we understand our why, our hows actually become quite small because it, it, it's just a very easy thing to do. I, I remember um, going to Schindler's List, uh, the movie Schindler's mm. List, in the early. Mid nineties it was, and you know Schindler. He he was a guy who he was a German um, businessman, saved thousands of Jews out of uh, going to the concentration camps. And I came out of that movie, and I and I I'm asking, you know, it's it's almost like a a, a, a graphic pornographic movie. I don't mean in the sexual me- uh, tense, but what I mean is it exposes the nakedness. Of the heart of man, mm. and and I'm coming out of that movie, and I'm thinking, God, why, why, why did the Germans do what they did to to the Jews? That they didn't know them, you know. What what did it really matter to them? But then I'm I'm kind of asking that same question again, you know. Why did Schindler do what he did? Why? You know, why did he put himself in that position? He he actually used all his money. He you know ran the risk of of you know the Gestapo or someone uh, coming against him. Why did he do that? And the Lord started speaking to me. He said, Colin, look around. You know, there's three, four hundred people, and uh, he says, you know, the thing is, if one of these people walked out in front of the you know the ARA bus, which was you know driving down the road at that time. If somebody walked out in front of the bus tonight and bang, you know, got run over, would it have changed your life? 
And I'm thinking, well, I'm you know, I'm a good Christian, you know. Um, I would go and I'd lay hands and pray on that over that person, and you know, and um, then I'd go home and have my cocoa and go to bed, and, and it wouldn't change my life. And the Lord said, but what if it was your grandmother? What about if it was your sister? You see, the thing is, I know my grandmother. Oh, well, she's dead now, but but what I'm saying is, I know my sister. You know, I know my daughter. It, it, if one of them got run over, it would affect me. Mm. God spoke to me and he said, the thing is, you don't know every man, woman, and child on the face of the earth, but I do. And that's the heart of the Father, that every man, woman, and child should come to understand the redemptive power that Christ brought for us on, on the cross of Calvary. And that is why, that is my why. Why would I want to go and be involved in missions? Because Christ called us to be part of that. Mm. I'll completely change tack, and I'll just look from a completely practical side. Look, you know, I had four kids. We have four children, Jenny and I, and, uh, you know, the thing is, our children had the best education possibly. You know, cross-cultural, multilingual, had monkeys for pets, killed snakes every week, uh, you know, uh, just had an absolute blast living in a in a completely different environment. Um, I never looked at uh, what sacrifice did we make? Well, yeah, okay, um, you know, um, I, I, we may have, may have faced some physical dangers, but what did we actually get as a family? And it was because we were wanting to go and serve, and the fruit of, of our lives over there continues to today. Of uh, Part of what we were involved in, um, we raised up a Bible school, and which is actually going continuing to today and 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 impacting and planting churches and so um you know as a missionary i i actually say look um i'm a i'm a proud missionary i never planted a church but i've been involved in many 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 church plants uh, because the thing is if i plant the church i then have to lead it and run it and that was never what we were called to do we were called to go and actually raise up and, and empower and teach and train and so what would i say to anybody you know who who's who's thinking of missions understand your why mm. and if you can understand your why that that god loves you and he loves the world as well and there are you know uh there are challenges that you'll face okay there are difficulties that you'll face but really what are we looking for we're looking for uh, to to impact the world that we live in and especially young people nowadays you have such great opportunities you you know there there's uh you know the world is an easy place to get around in lots of ways um and so i would there are so many uh, unreached people groups out there that have that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, and when you go and for us it was the privilege of of Makua, and you know uh, I think one of the loveliest things that I now have is is having friends and and sons and daughters who are of a different culture, different language, different ethnicity, but the thing is we're actually part of the same family, um, and. I, I challenge young people to to get involved in in missions uh, because yep it'll be it'll be a challenge it'll be a struggle there'll be sacrifices but your the outcome will be actually of eternal value 
and your life will be richer and more rewarding. And um, yeah, and so that's what I would say. That's perfect. The scripture that came to mind while you're sharing that is in uh, Luke chapter 14. Um, and Jesus is talking about um, essentially um, large crowds were traveling with Jesus and they turning to to them, you know, they're essentially asking the cost of becoming a disciple. Yeah, yeah. And um, in, in verse 28 of chapter 14 in Luke, he says, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, Everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. So what he's saying is, if you're going to be my disciple, like you're saying, ask why. Yeah, yeah. Really understand what the cost is going to be, what it's going to look like, so that when you go in there, you're like, you are prepared. You know, um, the uh, the Bible teaches us, you know, um, grace is a free gift, yeah. you know. yeah. But it will cost you everything. Amen. Yeah, yeah, dead right. And, and it's also that whole thing you talked about. Um, um, you worked with YWAM, Youth with a Mission, and th- there's a number of uh, fantastic missions organisations because we're not actually uh, these lone rangers who go out and uh, we, we 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 didn't go out just by ourselves. We're actually part of a network. We're mm. part of a body. We're part of an army that has sent us out and. I like what, um, just reading uh, in, in um, the Old Testament, King David, uh, when he went off to Ziklag to, to, to claim back what had been stolen from him. But some of them actually couldn't go uh, because they were worn out, they were tired, and they said, look, look, we can't go. And so they, they actually stayed with the baggage. But when King David came back, you know, he said, the thing is the reward for those who stayed is the same for those who went. And the thing is it's... Yeah, uh, we had the privilege of being the ones physically living on the field. But we're actually part of an army. Mm. And the reward for those who have actually stayed and prayed and given and, and supported and encouraged and all the rest in many, many different ways is the same as the, for the reward that, that, that we will receive as well. And Absolutely. so the thing is we're part of an army. And so I, I you know, I highly um, – recommend YWAM you know great for young kids you know world outreach you know there's a number of other great organizations that will help you to get on to 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 where you know you can really beat the coal face and and um yeah so um in some ways it's uh taking that first step mm. uh, awesome being challenged and saying i want my life to count for christ mm. yeah yeah, well, uh, thank you for um, joining us, Colin, on the Jesus Magnet podcast. You're a blessing, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Jesus Magnet podcast. If you enjoyed this, make sure that you connect with us. Find us on Facebook, on Instagram, and if you want to support us, be a member of our coffee club, Jesus Magnet Coffee Club. See you next time on the Jesus Magnet.